Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Welcome to the 360 program of mm-hmm. Compassion Radio. We're glad you joined us today. Sandy, welcome back to the mic. Thank you. It's good to be here. I love Fridays now more than I have before. <laughs> good. For different reasons. I really do enjoy the time that we spend on 360. It gives us an opportunity to really examine what the world is saying about life and relationship and give our perspective on God's truth about life and relationships. And get God's perspective on the truth. Yeah. So we try to find an eternal truth at the bottom of this message. And what Mm -hmm. is the underlying issue that is not always apparent in the article that we're reading? But this is about current events, things Mm -hmm. that are in people's minds and hearts around Mm -hmm. the world. And people that are listening to this program may have, in fact, already run across some of these articles. Mm -hmm in the the mass media. We could go a zillion ways on the subject of grief. And of course, the world seems to be full of it, whether it's been from disease, from loss, from war. It's not an easy time to be in for any of us. Mm -hmm. And we all seem to know somebody who's been deeply affected by tragedies. Mm. Well, grief is heavy on me today, thinking about this article. So I think it's appropriate that we're talking about it today. The reason we're approaching it on this particular program is because we ourselves are going through a certain anniversary with our family. Yeah. Well, two years ago, my mom passed away, as many of you have heard us talk about here on Compassion Radio. The wound is fresh again. Yeah. So this article really touched me because some have said, well, it's been two years. Shouldn't you be happier now? Shouldn't we're you over it. be over it? The answer is no. And I've always felt like grief is something that we go through, but we don't really get to the end of it till our lives are in Christ, you know, with Him in glory. I don't feel personally that I'm debilitated by this grief. My dad passed away over 20 years ago. I still miss him deeply and terribly. So in some ways, I do still grieve from that. My mom talked about losing a child when he was only five months old, back in the 50s. And until the day she died, she grieved that loss. Not in such a way that it was debilitating for her, like this article talks about, but it just shows me that there's not a way to complete grief when you lose something that you deeply love or care for. The psychologist and psychiatrist, at least the last 10 years, they've been debating this question. When is prolonged grief, they call it, become a mental disorder or a mental illness? Something that requires a healing that's beyond just ourselves deciding to shut it off. Yeah. Now, for example, we've learned in the past 50 years, probably, that the disease of addiction, we're used to calling it a disease now. Mm -hmm. We weren't about 20 years ago. It was all Always a moral issue. It was mm-hmm. always framed in terms of people's choices and their bad character. Mm-hmm. If you became addicted to anything, it was your own fault, period. A lot of science has come along not to justify, but to explain how we become addicted and how certain genetic dispositions are much more likely to be drawn into or overreact to a drug stimulus that provides so much more pleasure than other people might get, and therefore that much more craving at the backside, to the point where you are definitely addicted to something, and your body just can't think of anything else. Mm-hmm. So talk about your body thinking, not just your mind. Your body wants it. It craves it, and overriding your better judgment. Mm-hmm. They may start with bad choices or bad circumstances, but they end up with the same basic set of circumstances that destroy lives, but are predictable, which tells us that it's a universal rule here. It's not just about someone's morality. We have a little bit more compassion for that now. 
we know that there are ways to actually bring them back from the brink. Hopefully, the addition of this to the DSM-5, which is the manual that mental health professionals use to diagnose and treat illness, will help add credence to this disorder or to this prolonged grief illness, as they call it. There are some on the one side that say this is a great thing that will give mental health workers the ability to diagnose and treat with medications, with therapies that will give people some relief in this. And forcing the medical establishment in the West to acknowledge that these things are actually medical issues as much as they are what we would see as moral or spiritual or emotional issues, Yeah, but that they're all in different ways intertwined. The whole person is at play here. Yeah, It really is the whole person. Because we talk about our feelings. Mm -hmm. We go to talk to a counselor. You know what? The word feeling is not a bad word. Right. Because it actually is a physical thing as much as it is a, quote, emotional thing. In fact, mm-hmm. all emotions are, in fact, physical. Mm-hmm. Well, over the past hundred years, there's there's been a lot of debate over whether or not we include the mental aspect, the spiritual aspect, and the physical aspect in the whole diagnosis of a person's yeah. disorder or illness. Recently, more in the last 10 to 12 years, there's been a joining of these thoughts. There's been more of a marriage of ideas and thoughts in these. Or at least a crossroads. A crossroads, yeah. Some disciplines may stop at one place and pick up with somebody else. So mm -hmm. if someone says, this is within the purview of the things that I'm trained in, Mm -hmm. but the things we're discovering actually would be best treated by somebody Mm -hmm. in this skill set. And we can pass the baton, if we do it well, between people that are most adept and most equipped to deal with individual issues that a person is dealing with. Well, in the book, Care of Souls by David Benner, he says that it is the whole person who falls ill, Mm -hmm. not a body or some organ of the body. And similarly, it is the whole person who experiences health. So it's not just my arm that experiences illness or brokenness. My whole body feels that. My whole self is involved in that. And it's not just sadness that affects my heart or my brain. My whole body feels it. The joining of these thoughts really gives us a holistic view of caring for others. And I think an excellent way to address the issues of grief, because your whole body experiences grief. Your whole self. Your whole self. No, it reminds me a couple of things. One... They've actually recognized as a new syndrome, not a new syndrome, but discovered it and then named it broken heart syndrome. Mm -hmm. There is literally a set of criteria to say this person is sick or is dying from a broken heart. Mm -hmm. A loss affected their heart and their organs so much their body can't carry on. Even young people can go through broken heart syndrome to the point where their life is threatened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, the thing I think we have a hard time as Christians looking at this profession called psychiatry or psychology is that we see them as being on the other side of the aisle, being either overly liberal or overly materialistic. By that, I mean excluding God from the equation. If you're a true materialist committed to that, you would say that you're an atheist. There really is no God. We'll just deal with the organism in front of us, whether you're a doctor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You're going to approach the thing on a strictly materialist perspective, which means I can fix this or I can't. If I can't fix it, I need to know why, scientifically speaking. The weird thing is when we talk about things like addiction, like we mentioned before, there's a whole lot more compassion being mm-hmm. expressed towards those with addictions from the truly materialist camp than there is from the religious camp. Yeah. 
I think the church is really hung up on the idea of being able to blame people who are in that situation and make them responsible for it and make us unresponsible for any response that might be productive. We flag these things as no-go zones with our laws and with our health care and say, don't pay for that, don't help that, because that's sin. Mm -hmm. And we say, because it's sin, it ought to be just left alone, which, of course, we know the Bible says exactly the opposite. Sin is something that we ought to be rushing towards to help and to heal, but we really don't want to go there a lot of times, Mm -hmm. and that's not to our credit. So a materialist can look at the problem and say, let's just fix the problem. There's not a moral issue here. It's just a reality. This person is suffering, so let's deal with it. I think the church should follow that example a little bit, but go deeper and say, yes, we actually can help here. We should help. And by God's power and wisdom and insight and those with skills around us, we ought to be about healing on every level Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. Jesus healed on every level. Absolutely. Pick any healing you want to talk about from the New Testament. When Jesus got involved, he found the issue, he went to the heart of it, and he dealt with that, which then in turn restored the whole self, Mm -hmm. set them free, brought truth to light, brought the truth into their hearts, called out of them truth, and it healed them. Absolutely. We want to be healers, right? Mm -hmm. We say we do. Back to this article. There were a couple of things that were highlighted there. This thing called prolonged grief syndrome now has a name, which can be put into the book and say, okay, you as a healthcare professional can discuss this with your patient and say, it has been recognized that this thing is real. Mm -hmm. Now, others may argue that point. Prolonged grief syndrome doesn't exist. It's not real. I would just simply counter with this. Is love real? Mm. Love isn't even defined anywhere in medical diagnosis anywhere. But we do have things that talk about the absence of love, things like abuse or abandonment or broken heart syndrome, where love has been broken, something has happened, the whole person starts to break down. So by the evidence of the contrary, we can say, yeah, love must be a real thing because it affects us deeply. Mm -hmm. And our choices lead us either into ways of love or ways of hate or isolation and bitterness. And we say those things are real. So if love is real, why cannot something as dysfunctional as grief that won't go away and won't let you go be treated as something real? Hmm. That's a very good question. I know it's a rhetorical question in your mind, too, That because it can be treated. It can be real. They have a little box here that says coping with grief and loss, and there's some bullet points. I think we should just touch on those. And the headline, by the way, on this article is, how long should it take to grieve? Mm -hmm. Psychiatry has come up with an answer. Well, living through the loss of a loved one is a universal experience. We've already discussed that. We know that every person on the planet has experienced some kind of loss in their life. They say that 100% of life is fatal. Right. But the ways that people experience and deal with the pain of loss can be different. It's different from person to person. So as many people as there are in the world, that's how many different ways you can deal with pain and loss. Everyone's a specialist. Mm -hmm. The experts say that grief is not a problem to be solved. That you don't have to just fix it for somebody. You don't have to solve that problem. But it's a process to be lived through in whatever form it may take. And that's precisely what I was saying earlier about still missing my dad after 20-something years and still grieving that loss. And then the more intense loss that I feel over the loss of my mom just a couple years ago. So it is a process that we have to go through. And this is a way that they say that you can help those that you know that are going through this. Experiencing a sudden loss can be particularly traumatic. We've Mm -hmm. talked about trauma many times on here. But if you lose someone suddenly and unexpectedly, 
It is intense in or, that moment. What we see is out of the natural order, like a young person dying mm-hmm. or cancer taking a young person, a child passing before a parent. Mm-hmm. There's many ways that you can offer support and help people who are going through grief. You can sit with them. You can listen to their story, talk to them about the loved one that they've lost. You can... And drawing out those stories. Yeah, yeah. You can serve them. Because it's so fresh on my mind, I just remember people coming over and brought us things, brought us food or... Wordlessly sometimes. Brought us flowers, came and cleaned my kitchen. Oftentimes you don't know what you want or what you need when you're in the throes of grief. So going to someone's house and serving them or picking up something for them without having to get them to think through a lot of things is really, really helpful. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And you can text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 to make a gift right now through your phone. And make sure to let your friends know about that option, too. Thank you, friends, for letting God expand your faith through real activist giving today. And now, back to our discussion. Sometimes a note months or weeks after the yeah. loss is These occurred. are things that are being mentioned by mm-hmm. these therapists. No one escapes from the power of compassion and empathy and gentleness. So the fruit of the Spirit come to play here. Are we willing to actually be those things for those who probably need it the most, but are often least able to express their need because they can't put a name to it. Yeah. So this diagnosis, this disorder, is kind of reserved for those who are experiencing long-term grief, Mm -hmm. long after the loss has faded away in some ways. And it's not someone who is experiencing the kind of grief that I'm feeling today, even about my mom. It's It is a long-term issue, and it's like you talked about broken heart syndrome. It's something that is not easily pinpointed Mm -hmm. and just said, oh, well, that's what it is in the end, and and now now you know what your disorder is, so keep living or whatever. It is about realizing that you're not crazy, that you're... You're really struggling. You really have an issue that's long-term. Think about the people who know something's wrong with them, but they can't figure it out. They go to doctor after doctor, and no one seems to be able to sort it out until someone does the right test or Mm -hmm. does the right assessment and looks at it and says, okay, I know what this is, Mm -hmm. whether it's a physical ailment or something else happening in the body. Like, it's a certain kind of disease that is very, very rare. So we didn't look for it normally because it's rare. Mm -hmm. Whatever else. But suddenly, there is an awareness So the person that is suffering 
to have someone name the suffering is like to bring it into a place where now I know, mm -hmm. now we can do something about this, or at least I'm not crazy yeah. that this thing is real. And being able to name something and put a name on it gives the world structure. Mm -hmm. The Bible starts that way. Adam was given one job, go name the world. Mm -hmm. And we've still been at it ever since. It's part of our creative nature working with God to discover and to understand and to give structure in it so we can express it and tell the story to somebody else. Mm -hmm. The ability to communicate requires words. Mm -hmm. So we trust that those who can discover things that are repeatable, have shown up more than once, and have a certain kind of totality to them. If we can put that down in the book and we can discover that you are here in this book, it also says you're not alone mm -hmm. and you are noticeable. We can actually see you in the situation and not call you crazy. Yeah. That's important. Absolutely. Yeah. The more I think about this article and read through it, I come to realize that I think more than just grief, they're talking about lament hmm. and experiencing a deep, deep ache in your soul. And we know that the Bible is full yeah. of okay, stories of lament. Okay, one thought for a second, honey. What is the difference then between a prolonged grief that is detrimental mm -hmm. and what lament is? Well, the word grief has been kind of mutated through the years. Mm -hmm. People use it, oh, he's giving me grief. He's upsetting me. Mm -hmm. Oh, good grief. You're irritated or frustrated. Um, grief is defined as a deep sorrow typically associated with the death of someone. Right. And it is from an old French word, and I can't pronounce it, gruvere, I think, which means to burden. Mm -hmm. Weighed down with burdens. Yeah, and yeah. that is the original form of grief. And so it has been watered down over the years. However, the word lament has not really been watered down. There's not much watering down you can do to a word like this because it is a passionate expression of sorrow. Okay, there you go. There's an action involved mm -hmm. with it. There are actions, of course, that are unstructured and are unpredictable in grief. People mm -hmm. may just suddenly melt down at the weirdest things or explode or get angry or do something risky mm -hmm. because they don't know what to do with all their feelings. Laments seem to have a kind of a focus and a discipline to it mm -hmm. that grief itself without lament would not have. Psalm 13 is one of my favorite psalms of lament. If you can have a favorite lament. Okay, we just see David crying out, God, how long, hmm. how long will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with these thoughts? This says to me, Sandy, ask God questions. Question God or in your situation. God of something. Yeah. You, know, we, you and I have talked a number of times about the difference between our perceptions of who God is and living in a lie because we don't ever challenge it. When David says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you ignore me? The word itself says he doesn't neglect or ignore his children ever. Yeah. He's accusing God of something because it's absolutely the truth about how he feels. He feels that way. Mm -hmm. And that feeling has consequences. You're going to act in certain ways based upon what you really believe is true, whether it's true or not. Mm -hmm. The lament is therapeutic 
because we can actually express what we're really feeling and then let God answer it. Yeah. And God may say, who are you to ask me that question like he did to Job? Or he can say, like a hen covers her chicks, I'm watching over my flock all the time. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't answer with a truth without love. Absolutely. And I think we need to remember this, that God's response to us, as severe as it might seem to us, always is based in truth and love. It just is who he is. Mm -hmm. He's not going to tell us a truth to crush us unless the crushing is part of the healing. Mm -hmm. He's not going to destroy us because he takes wicked joy in doing that. He never is mean to his children. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want humanity to go down the tubes. He loves it enough to give up his own life for crying out loud. He is about healing people with truth and love. Mm, Absolutely. It begs the question, though, when you encounter someone that is in deep grief, Mm -hmm. who gets to decide what is appropriate for grief? In our conversation preparing for this, we talked about what are the appropriate things to grieve, what are the inappropriate things to grieve, what what is okay and what is not okay. Or what is appropriate grief or inappropriate grief. Right. Prolonged grief, too. Because, I mean, there are things that we grieve about that may not be, in our estimation, a reason to grieve for very long, like losing a pet. Now, We are on the verge of losing one of our dear pets, and I'm really sad about it. And it's difficult because it's prolonged. It is, yes. (laughs) I mean, literally, she has to be treated every month for something that is painful. Yeah. But she's not ready to die. Yeah. That's hard for us as a pet owner because she's part of our family, Mm -hmm. and she has a life Mm -hmm. in her own sphere. This is who she is. And to say, oh, that's not important anymore would be silly. Yeah. Because she is important to us. Yeah. There are those who would say, oh, it's just a pet. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever. What is the appropriate time for that? Only we can decide that ourselves. But it can be informed. That's true. There are other things that we said were not okay to grieve, like excessive grieving over sin or Mm -hmm. over wrong done. I hate to tell tales about our son, but he was asked to do something for me a few days ago because I had to run some errands. And when I got back, I said, oh, did you do this? And he said... No. And I said, okay. I walked out of the room and I was disappointed that he hadn't done it. And you took care of business. And I took, I went and did it. And he began to lament almost his failure. And I said, apologize and be done. This is not a reason to grieve or to lament. You messed up, apologize, and we'll be done with it and determined to do differently next time. That was probably an inappropriate expression of grief on his part. As you would say, over the top. Over the top. You know, there are some people who have a very heightened sense of justice or sense of right and wrong. and They're zealous. Yeah, Yeah. those that would really prolong that. Take up an offense that really is not appropriate to take up. Yeah. And sometimes it is appropriate to take up an offense for somebody, especially if they are without champion. Mm -hmm. If there are people that are vulnerable and being taken advantage of, Stepping in there and taking up the fence for them, even if they don't even sense they're in danger, is appropriate. Right. But there are plenty of times where we own somebody else's situations and make it our cause because we want to be angry about Mm -hmm. something. And Mm -hmm. that is dangerous. Yeah. But all the things we're talking about here are still about choices. While we're experiencing it, we really have to be the ones to interpret it, whether it's valid or not. But if it's not valid... In other words, if the scripture itself looks at it and says, you've gone too far. Like, for example, the idea of feeling sorrow over your own sin and wallowing Mm -hmm. forever in the sense of, I'm not worthy. And pretty soon it becomes all about you again, because Mm -hmm. all you're doing is talking about how you feel, rather than actually listening to what God has to say about it and respecting him. I love this about the AA movement. If you fail, we know exactly what to do next. 
You don't suddenly, after 13 times of failing, get slapped over the top of the head with a baseball bat and say, never come back. Mm, yeah. The place is always a place of forgiveness and restoration. So if that can happen within an addicted community, why can't we as believers in Christ extend the same kind of courtesy that even Jesus talks about when someone says, how many times do I have to forgive this person for messing up my life <laughs> yeah. with their sins? And Jesus says, seven, 70, 70 times seven, exhausts all of those numbers. And let's talk about it afterwards. Just keep going mm -hmm. in a forgivable manner. Psalm 68 says, thanks be to God who daily bears our burdens mm. and shares our griefs. Grief comes from the word to burden. Having seen the Lord put those together and say, I'm going to bear these yeah. for you. Surely he bore our sorrows or is bearing is and will bearing. continue to bear. Mm -hmm. He talks constantly about his bearing of our burdens. Mm -hmm. That is the thing that God does for us. He's acquainted with our sorrow and our grief and our illness. I would love to say that the Christian church and the people within it are known for being the kind of people that people feel safe enough to welcome into their mess mm -hmm. and not be afraid of what they will gossip about them for telling the truth about where they are. Mm -hmm. That we will be the last people on earth to condemn when we're invited into the sanctuary of their messed up lives. Mm. I've got some ideas if you want to hear them, but even if you don't, it's okay. I'm here with you. And that's enough. Are we willing to say that's enough when it doesn't meet our threshold for change and mm -hmm. for perfection? Grief is individual yes. experience that we emote. For me to assume I know what you're feeling mm -hmm. because you're grieving is arrogant yeah, on is. my part. And I don't think particularly godly. No. Self-righteousness never is. Yeah. Be with someone who just needs someone to be with them. Even when it goes beyond my capacity to endure it. Yeah. Jesus went that extra measure and said, I'm really in this with you. In fact, I'm not leaving. I will always be with you. When he makes that kind of promise to us, he's not saying, I'll be with you to make everything roses and cherries. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I will be with you no matter what comes. I'm not leaving you. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to be little Christ, we better start with the expectation that, you know what? This following of Jesus or being him for others will not always be easy. It is a whole person. Yeah. That experiences this. And there's no separation of the body, the spirit, the emotion. It's all joined. Each one will affect the other. Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the entire person. Well, it's a good way to wrap up this one. Maybe you're going through some grief yourself. Have come through and learn mm -hmm. some lessons that have been very fruitful in your life. We'd love to hear about that, too. Don't hesitate to go to the website and drop us a line. We'd really mm -hmm. love to hear from you. And we'll see you next Monday for the next Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. We're busy right now helping with immediate needs in Ukraine. Help us help them today with your gift. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com.